You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. Now, one of the things we've tried to do in this series, because we're talking money, and uh, a lot of times it's hard when you talk money, you feel like you're getting preached at when you're doing money. And so we've tried to include stories in the series of folks that, you know, just real stories of people that have gone through this and have gotten their finances back under control. And we started the series with a story of somebody that I didn't know. I just found it online. And um, one of our members was watching that that first week and said, oh, I got a better story than that. There's, there's somebody that I've been working with and they've got a great story. And so I want you to watch this before we get into the message this morning. I believe this is Kim's story right here. Uh, My name is Kim Akins. I'm originally from Mount Pleasant, just moved from Hampshire about a year and a half ago to Columbia, Tennessee. I sold my house in Hampshire. Um, I had a daughter that got killed in a car wreck um, uh, almost eight years ago. And you don't realize how much weight you're holding down with something um, that traumatic. And so my kids kept encouraging me to downsize move, um, get that pressure off of me. And so I chose to go ahead and sell. Um, God sold my house really quick, but he didn't find me a new one until a few weeks later. Right before closing, we found out some issues that ended up costing me more um, than I ever expected. So I went into a little bit more debt than I had ever expected to go into to do that. It was a struggle for almost a year and a half. I was on um, Nextdoor app and I saw a thing on Pay Grace Forward, how they help you get into budgets, help you um, work through things. And so I contacted them, they contacted me back and then I got a counselor. Um, I can't say enough about my counselor. He has tremendously helped me through the last four months to where I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but now I do. First, he had me write down everything I spent and every little trip to McDonald's or every little trip, getting a coffee here, getting a tea here, getting a Diet Coke here at the convenience store, you don't realize how much that adds up. And by writing that down, I realized how much I was spending that I didn't need to spend. And because of my financial situation, I had really, really cut back on my spending, but those dollar little things was adding up. Mr. Richardson helped me set a budget. And yeah, I've known all my life to do a budget, but had I ever really sat down and followed through on that budget and he helped me follow through on that. He helped me work through some things to where now I have peace and freedom with an emergency fund that I haven't had that was, that just gives you the peace that's unreal. Um, Also the other thing that through this process, uh, tithing at church. Um, Yeah, I was tithing, but I wasn't tithing what I'm supposed to. Uh, I'm still not up to what I'm supposed to, but it makes me feel 
better sitting in a church pew knowing I'm giving back to God what he's provided for me. The peace that you get through a financial stability is wonderful. Um, it will probably take me another year, year and a half to get completely where I want to be. But I know my steps now and I have somebody helping me out. Getting that support and knowing that they're just a phone call away is a peace that also gives you. If I could give advice to anybody, um, never did I ever imagine putting a, a numbers on a piece of paper would help me see um, a future or see financial freedom or see peace. Um, so if you're in the situation where you're struggling, um, I recommend you doing a budget. No, I wasn't good at it at first. I would tear it up five or six times. And now I can tell you how much gas I'm gonna spend in one month just by looking at the month and how many days. Or I can tell you how much food by based on what I've got in the refrigerator and what I need to go do, because you make a list. I can't tell you what kind of peace I have now. Um, a peace that God gave me because he gave me this program and he gave me these counselors to help me get to where I'm at. Now she she talks a lot about financial peace. The program she was actually referring to is one called Pay Grace Forward, and I wanted to tell you about that real quick too. Because what Pay Grace Forward does is it pairs financial mentoring with uh, low interest loans, and so it, it, this whole program is designed to help people get out of or prevent people from going into payday loan debt. Because she mentioned the house, and there were some repairs and. She had to go to a payday lender to, to get some money for those repairs. And so through Pay Grace Forward, she not only got a financial coach, but she eventually got a loan through the ministry that took her payment from 25% of her take-home pay to 2% of her take-home pay and took it from triple-digit interest down to 25 3% interest at a traditional note through a traditional bank. And uh, Pay Grace Forward is a ministry that this church helped start. It's now its own independent 501c3. It's got its own staff and board of directors and all of that kind of stuff. But they're always looking for financial coaches. Rick Richardson is her coach. That's who she was talking about. She's actually done working with Rick. But she said, can I just keep meeting with you? Like, she's met all the requirements of the ministry, and she's done everything she's supposed to do. She's like, can, can we just do a monthly checkup just to keep going? And Rick's a pharmacist by trade. He's not a financial He's not trained in finances or anything. He's just a guy who said, I volunteer my time to help coach somebody through this. So they're always looking for mentors, and they're always looking for clients. So if you know somebody that uh, is in need, maybe about to go into payday loan debt or maybe in payday loan debt right now, you can check out this uh, ministry's website. So I wanted you to see Kim's story because I wanted you to see just a, I mean, it's, many of you may know her. It's just a just an ordinary person, an everyday person, just like us, that it, we can easily get into a situation where before we know it, we get in a little bit of a financial mess. And, and there's always help, and there's always hope. And so I really encourage you, if you're in that situation, that reach out, you know, join, do financial peace, 
call Pay Grace Forward, reach out to somebody and get some help. And that's what this series has been designed to do. So we've been talking about the spiritual side of money. And we've been talking about debt and we've been talking about greed. We've been talking about contentment. Uh, last week we talked about perspective. It was all about our attitude and approach to money. How do we put money in its place? Because money is not uh, immoral, and it's not moral. It's, it's amoral. It's, it's what we do with money that makes it moral or makes it immoral. It's, money doesn't make us something. You know, Having wealth doesn't make us bad people. Having wealth doesn't make us good people. It's, it's what we do with that wealth. And that's why the Bible emphasizes those who are rich in this present world, which is most of us, those who are rich in this present world, he commands us to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, and to be willing to share. And that's where we're going to pick up today. I want to talk about generosity today, because if the Bible says anything about money, it, this subject right here, it addresses more than just about any of the, the subjects that addresses about money. And I, I want to start, though, with a letter, okay? And uh, this is... It's a missionary letter, okay? And you know how these work. You know how churches, missionaries got to go out and raise all their own funds. And so they're always sending letters to churches. We get, we still, I don't know, two or three times a week, we'll get a letter from some missionary or some effort that, you know, they're looking to raise funds for their particular mission work. And a lot of churches have ongoing missionaries that they support. We do at this church, Dream 514. You know, we have this ongoing thing that we support. So this is a letter that um, I ran across that the missionary is writing to a church that already supports him. But the reason I'm reading it to you is because he, he's kind of bold in his approach. And I, I don't know how good a relationship he had with the church. I'm not real sure about the church. But it's, um, he's, he puts it in a way that I don't think I would have put it if, if I was writing the letter. And I, I'll just read it to you. Okay? He says, Dear Brethren, and it starts out pretty much like you would expect these letters to start out. This is how most of them start out. I'm writing to you about the grace that God has poured out on the South American churches. Um, though they've been going through some very difficult times, their joy and poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. In the offering we recently took up, they gave as much as they were able, not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They actually begged us for the privilege of sharing this gift with Christians in other churches. So... They've had some type of collection just in the churches that he's working with there. And he says, so I urged our brother Jonathan, who first encouraged you to give to this work, uh, to return to you and persuade you to share in this offering. So you excel in so many things, your faith, uh, your gifted speakers, your knowledge of the scriptures, your enthusiasm, your love for us, that I think you should also excel in your giving. So that's that's pretty standard fare. Not not bad so far. It's This is kind of what he dials up the pressure just a little bit. He says, of course, I'm not saying that you have to participate, even though other churches are very eager to do so. But I do believe that this will be a test of the sincerity of your love. <clears throat> For surely you know about the love and grace that our Lord Jesus Christ, and though how he was rich, became poor for our sake, so that through him we might be rich. So here's my advice. Last year you were not only the first to have the desire to help, but you were also the first to do something about it. Now I'm asking you to finish the work so that your willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. If the willingness is there, then the gift will be acceptable no matter how much or how little you were able to give. 
Therefore, welcome Jonathan once again, and through your giving, show him the proof of your love and the reason for my confidence in you. And this is my favorite paragraph right here. Really, in many ways, there's no need for me to write to you about this because I already know of your eagerness to help. Uh, to tell the truth, I've been bragging about your generosity and enthusiasm to these churches, and it has stirred many of them to actions as well. That's why I'm sending these brothers at this time. I'm asking for the offering now so that my boasting may not prove hollow. I trust you'll be able to give just as you said you would. For if you fail in this area, the South American churches discover that you have not come through, and I will be ashamed and humiliated after being so confident. So please make all necessary arrangements and be fully prepared to make this generous gift. Now, <laughs> he is putting it in ways that I could not get by. If I'm going to preach a message on giving, if I'm going to write a letter to somebody on, on giving, this is not the way that I write the letter. Because already, what, twice he said, the proof, uh, like, to, he said, to test the sincerity of your love. I'm testing the sincerity of your love by what you give. And, and he's called it the proof of your love. But that last paragraph about, you know, like, I'm asking now, so, like, I've been bragging on you. I've been talking about how much you're going to give. And if you don't come through, then I'm just going to be ashamed and humiliated. I mean, it's... <clears throat> He continues with a kind of an interesting promise. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Uh, therefore, each of you should give generously, not reluctantly or under pressure, but with joy. After all, that's the kind of giver God wants you to be. And I believe if you do so, God will provide you with everything else you need. So the one who supplies seed to the farmer will also increase your store of seed. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. I assure you that this gift is not only supplying the needs of God's people here, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. If you prove yourselves through this service, there he goes again, many will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of Christ, and they'll praise God for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. Their hearts will go out to you in their prayers because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Sincerely, the Apostle Paul. There are two, two, two facts about the letter I forgot to mention at the beginning. One, it's not the South American churches. I changed that one. It's actually the Macedonian churches. And it wasn't Jonathan that was accompanying the letter. It was Titus and Timothy that were accompanying the letter. Because this letter that I just read you is actually verbatim chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. Now, when you, when you hear it in that context, when it goes from just some random missionary who seems really bold in his ask, and you, and you turn around and it's actually scripture that we're reading, how does it make you feel about what you just heard? We kind of move kind of a little bit further from outrage to humility. Because the Bible talks about giving in ways that preachers today can no longer talk about giving. I mean, we don't like, like, I know, I know of no preacher that's like, I can't wait to do a giving sermon. This is so exciting because we're always, work, like, if, if I'm going to talk about generosity, it's like, people are going to think I've got a conflict of interest here. People are going to think it's all about the giving. Like, somebody, somebody gets mad and leaves the church every time a preacher talks about giving. I prom, I prom, every time, they, you know, all they ever talk about is giving. All I ever hear about them, blah, 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 blah. I mean, stuff like that. So we got to be super careful because it's a very sensitive issue. And I know some preachers abuse it. And I know, you know, TV preachers don't help us out in this. I I get that. So I know, like, we got to be really careful about how we address it. But, man, when you read the way the Bible addresses it, 
it addresses it with so much boldness. Like you can't, like Paul writes as if he believes that the obligation of every believer is to give. I mean, he writes as if he believes that generosity is actually proof of your love for Christ. Or generosity is actually a test of the sincerity of your faith. Because I think Paul actually believes that. I mean, I think Paul's read what Jesus says about generosity, and he believes that giving is a spiritual act. Like, we don't give so the church can meet its budget. We don't give so the church can pay its bills or pay its ministers, all that kind of stuff. That's not why you give. We give because it is a spiritual act. It is an act of worship. It is an act of, like, God has given freely to us, and because God has given freely to us, we therefore give back to God. And that's what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians. And you can read it, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Now, that letter's excerpts. That's not everything that he says in those two chapters. But he is making an appeal to the Corinthian churches, and he does make it that strongly. He does make a really strong appeal to those churches, and there's so many principles in it. I like started highlighting the principles in these two chapters. There's seven or eight that I pulled out, and I won't go through all of them with you because we just don't have the time. But there's a few that I wanted to highlight. And um, uh, Ty, I'll let you kind of go along with me on the scriptures here. So we can keep up with this. But just a few principles, core principles that Paul talks about when it comes to generosity. If we want to practice generosity. And the first one is this. If you can go to that first principle for me. Because I can't remember it off the top of my head. There we go. Giving is a response to what we've already been given. That's the first thing that Paul says. Giving is a response to what we've already been given. This is uh, verses 8 and 9 of uh, chapter 8. If you can go back to that one for me, Ty. I'm not commanding you. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty, you, through his poverty, might become rich. So Paul sets the, the basis of our generosity is on what Christ has done for us. We give because Christ is freely given to us. And we obviously can't give any more than Christ has given for us. He gave his life. For us, And as one of our elders likes to say, you can't outgive God. And so, I mean, Christ has given us completely more than we could ever imagine or repay to him. And our giving is not an effort to do that. It's not an effort to pay back to God. It's not an effort to earn some kind of favor with him or to earn some kind of special with him. It's not really the amount that matters. It's, it's the sincerity of the heart. And we give in response to what we've already been given. So giving is a response of faith. The second thing is that giving is fun. And I know you look at that and go, are you sure about that? <laughs> because it doesn't always feel fun. But look at what it says. This is real close. It doesn't, he doesn't actually say giving is fun. But he says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I just put that in the context of it's fun. The most fun I've ever had as a preacher at this church is like last January inviting Crossroads to home here to give us an update on their ministry and getting to surprise them with a $65,000 check. That is fun. I love, or calling Danny who's with the BB Church in Arkansas and they sponsor the Burl Boom Church and they're trying to build a building for the Burl Boom Church and, and I knew they were trying to raise like $130,000, $140,000 calling Danny on the phone and going, Danny, how much money you raised so far? Well, we got about 60, we got a long way to go and saying, well, I'm going to mail you another check for 60, so double it. 
I mean, that's fun. It's fun. And you remember years ago, we had Mamie Gray here, and we surprised Word of Life with $20,000 that we raised over the summer. Or we called the discipleship house and said, oh, we heard you guys need a sprinkler system. How much is it? $12,000? Oh, we can pay for that. And giving them the $12,000 to pay for their sprinkler system. I mean, it's fun. And it's fun personally. Like, I enjoy giving. I, I, you know, I enjoy, whether it's Boys and Girls Club, or it's Murray United Ministries, or it's Youth Education Foundation, or... Uh, whoever, young life, whoever it is, that I, I, I love being able to give to those organizations because giving is fun. If giving was not fun, then Christmas morning would be depressing. If you think about Christmas morning, like Christmas morning is awesome, right? We love it. Not because we get a bunch of gifts. Maybe we thought that way when we were younger. But when we became parents ourselves, we love getting ready. For Christmas morning and we love watching the kids coming down and we love I mean we just love to see the expression on their face especially if we worked really hard to find the right perfect gift or maybe we spent a little bit more than we meant to I mean like we just like it's fun that Christmas morning is fun because we love giving the Bible says that it's more blessed to give than to receive and the older we get the more we learn that lesson. Like when we're younger, we think, oh, no, that ain't right. <laughs> it's, it's more blessed to get than it is to give. But the, the older we get, the more we understand that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And then the last one that I want you to look at is this one right here. And I want to be careful with this one, but he says it, so I got to talk about it. Giving is rewarded. And I say I want to be careful about it because I think there's, you know, kind of some prosperity gospel type preachers that abuse this concept. But they're talking about, it's the principle of the harvest is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then you skip down, I think it's verse 9 or 10, yeah. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And I say we got to be, you know, it, it, really, it says right there, if you sow, sow generously, you will reap generously. And he says that God will provide the means for us to give. Now, the reason I say I got to be careful there is because some people kind of use this verse to say, listen, if you give, you're going to get. You know, like if you'll give more, then God's going to give you more. And that's the wrong motivation for giving. I don't see that in this text right here. The, the, like we don't get like, oh, I'm going to give more so that God will give me more. I'm, I'm going to give more so that I'll be more blessed. That's the, that makes it a selfish motivation for giving. The purpose of generosity, well, I'll back this up, the purpose of wealth is to be generous. Like and giving is rewarded. I, I do believe that. It teaches it right there. But the purpose of our wealth is not so that we can, you know, have a better life or we can have more fun or we can do this or this. Or we can have more stuff and we can have all this kind of stuff. The purpose of what we have is that we can be more generous. And this is exactly what he talks about as he continues. Verse 11, he says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so that's what he says right there. The purpose of, of, of the purpose of your giving being rewarded is so that you can be even more generous. And, and like when you get to the point, you're like, man, I wish I could get more or make more so that I could be more generous. Because I mean, when you start trying to look at how you can take what you've been giving and start growing that, 
Like, that's the part of the budget that I love to figure out how to spend more of. They are the parts of the budget that you don't like, man, we got to cut back on the eating out. We're just eating out too much, and we got to cut back on the travel or whatever. We're traveling too much. But when you look at the giving portion of the budget, I love taking my giving portion of the budget and going, how can I step it up just a little bit this year? How can we step it up just a little bit this year? Like, I mean, I, I enjoy doing that because that's, it's, it's fun, and it's rewarding. And I do believe that we are rewarded when we practice generosity it's not necessarily a financial reward I don't the other abuse of this passage is people go well I'm just going to give it all away and I'll sit back and God will send me a check in the mail you know it doesn't work like that okay so this, there's a little bit of common sense and there's a little bit of you know practicality in this it's not just like you can't be, just be completely irresponsible with money but I do absolutely believe the concept of that when we are generous we are rewarded it may not be financial rewards, but we, it is a rewarding thing to practice generosity. Now, I had a, a conversation with somebody in this series. Uh, somebody sent me an email and said, you know, hey, I want to start tithing to, to the church. We're, we're giving, but we're not really tithing. And, and it's going to take us, like Kim said, it's going to take us a few years to get where we want to get. But do you think we should be tithing on the gross or on the net? And I sent back and said, it doesn't matter. I mean, it really does. I mean, there's people have different opinions on it. It, it, it doesn't matter. Just pick one because most people aren't even giving that. So, I mean, just, just pick one. The, the point of it is that if you can be intentional about what you give and set a percentage that you're going to give and be intentional about that, you will be rewarded for that. And this particular person was younger, and uh, they were probably in my spot when I was in my 20s, double income, no kids. And we ended up having a conversation about it because I ended up talking to him in person. And I was like, listen, if you can learn this now, when, like, like, because you're just getting started, if you can set a percentage now and just get used to living on that, it is going to be so much fun in the next 10, 15, 25, 30, 45 years when you're, as your income grows, as you guys keep moving up in the career and all that kind of stuff, as your income grows, if you can already get used to, hey, I'm used to, you know, giving 10% and living on 90% at that level. Then as that income grows, you get to watch your giving grow, and that's when it's so much fun. That when you get the raise, you get to look at the raise and go, ooh, I get to give X more. Or you, you get the bonus, I get to give more. You know, you may close the sale, like, I get to give more. I mean, that is, it is, like, if you can get in the habit now, it will be so rewarding. I'm so thankful that financial peace was one of them. The other was my Uncle Jimmy. My Uncle Jimmy's a preacher, and he's still preaching at Southwest Church of Christ. And, and he did a series called The Heart of Giving back, uh, like, this was probably in the 90s sometime. He did The Heart of Giving, and that was a series that got Jenny and I to look at the scriptures and got us to actually get intentional about our giving. Because what we did before that was we just pulled out the wallet, and whatever was in it, you know, that's what we gave. So like, oh, yeah, we got five bucks in there, and we threw that in there. Oh, we only got a dollar today, and we threw that in there. And I, I know nobody carries cash anymore, so that's probably a bad example and bad illustration. But I'm like, we weren't intentional. Like, we didn't think about it. Well, when Jimmy did that series, what we started doing was I got paid on Friday, so I sat down Friday night and wrote the check because that, I wanted that to be the first. God gave me that, that paycheck Friday, Friday, and so the first goes back, and I put that in my wallet, and then I would drop that in. Uh, when Sunday came around, and that changed our lives. I mean, it really, really, really did change our lives. And so I'm not just saying this because I'm the preacher and this is the church and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm saying this because I really believe in it. I really believe that it, it's rewarded and it's fun, 
and we give in response to what we've already been given. Uh, let me pray for us, and uh, I got just one or two things to tell you about before we're dismissed. Pray with me, please. Father, I am thankful for uh, the example of generosity that, that I see at this church. I mean, it's a, I always feel like I'm preaching to the choir here because this church has been so generous uh, in the past and, and so willing to give in the past. And it is encouraging and it's inspiring to me. But God, I, I pray that we remember, and I remember the, the real reason that we give. Um, not, it's not a practical reason, it's a spiritual reason. And it's to, it's to train our hearts to put money in the right place, to have the right perspective and the right attitude about money. And, and one of the ways we do that is through, through generosity. And so I, I pray that uh, folks will be generous here to this church, but also that all the nonprofits in town and all the other great things that go on throughout this community, uh, I really think Columbia and Murray County, I really think it's a generous community. And I see that in so many ways. And uh, I pray that, that this church will continue to lead the charge in that effort and will continue to practice generosity. And I pray for, as we talked about at the beginning of this message, um, anybody that's feeling like it's just a mess right now, the finances are a mess, it, it takes a little bit of courage to reach out and ask for help. But I pray you'll give them that little bit of courage, whether that's signing up for the financial piece or, or reaching out to somebody at Pay Grace Forward or whatever it is, I pray you'll give them that little extra dose of courage to, to get over that hump and be able to reach out and ask for help with uh, finances. So, Father, just thank you for what you've given to us. We, we can never repay you for what you've given to us. We, you, um, you paid a debt you did not owe, and, and we can't repay it. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the example of generosity that you set through just the giving of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. All right, last two things. I'm if you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.